Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hi, my name is Adam Grigsby, and welcome to another episode of Fire Talk Radio. I'm here with Deborah Lacewell, and we're very excited to announce our very special guest. Once again, uh, Mr. Frank Sumrall is on the show tonight. Uh, Deborah, go ahead and greet the people. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad that you came and joined us tonight, and we're in for a, a special treat with our special guest, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Frank Sumrall, and uh, we're loving to have him here tonight, and we're really, really, really excited about it, so I'm glad that you joined us, and uh, he's actually still on hold, so I'm going to go ahead and he's um, a mighty man of God, and, and we're just excited tonight, and 50 years in the ministry, and uh, without further ado, hello, Brother Frank. How are you? You're on the air yeah, live. Yes, you I'm on. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. A lot of wonderful things happen that God's doing around the earth, and we're getting excited about it. Amen. I believe in the acceleration of the Holy Spirit, that God is moving by his Spirit in unprecedented ways, healing, yes. touching, blessing. We had, uh, just at the river, we had Tim Hall, and I tell you, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. wild and really right there at the church. It was truly amazing. And I believe there was going to be, in the last days, that, in fact, there will be in the last days, more men and women like him that carry the glory of God. Praise God. So, uh, yeah, but that doesn't come by a fact of, you know, going to church like once a week or even twice a week. That comes from relationship. So basically what we're going to talk about tonight is interesting, having to do with hearing from God, hearing from God. How do we hear from God? How can God actually speak to us? Well, there's several ways, and we'll be dealing with those ways. But I don't believe this will be the first time that we'll speak about this. We'll speak about this a little further on because oh, it, 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 it's so massive. It, it's uh, very interesting as you look into the Word of God, how God wants to communicate with man, how he wants to bless man, help man, encourage man, lift man up. Even though man has fallen many times, God is always there. So we have a listening ear all the time. Uh, a reminder to the Scripture is that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So God is a compassionate God. He loves men. He loves women. He loves his creation. One of the things we need to understand about it is this, that that uh, and we're not talking about something about greasy grace or anything like that having to do with the fact you can do anything you want to do. No, we're talking about the fact that we have a loving God that cares and understands about his creation and knows us. That's why he sent his son to down Calvary. And, uh, but one of the things of hearing from God 
you find all the way through the scripture, we just got to touch on a few of these, because it's so interesting how God was dealing specifically with different ones. And, and we kind of have it misconstrued as to do in the fact that when Adam sinned, and when Adam in the garden, you'll find this in, uh, let's look at it here, this over here in Genesis, having to do with relationship, having to do with the fact of knowing God, loving God. So when Adam sinned and God was looking for him, now that's the question in my mind, God of the universe was looking for Adam. Why didn't he know where he was? <laughs> but this is what I believe. I believe that God wanted Adam to say, God, I've blown it. I've messed up. This is what I've done. This God do all the time. And so by that, but more than that, I believe there was a cry in his heart. Because when he was crying to Adam from the garden, Adam, Adam, where are you? He was trying to get Adam to say, I've blown it, I've blown it, I've blown it, forgive me. But then Adam tried to hide his sin. And that's, that's what most sinners do. They try to hide their sin. They'll put it out in the open. So, okay, God, this is what... No, God knows everything. He knows everything about us. So we just have to be open with him. But he knows us in such a way, such a beautiful way. But one of the things, looking at that, is so important that when God even... You know, this is why we have great hope in the fact that God is going to move on America in these last days. Because even through a wicked nation such as Nineveh, when Jonah was sent there to preach the gospel to Nineveh, what happened is that he decided not to go there. We know about him. He had a compartment there in the lower belly of the whale with a big fish, and he was vomited on land, and he went in and preached the gospel. And the Bible says from the king down, they accepted and received what he had to say. So if God can do it then, he can do it now. That when we hear from God, hearing from the Lord, and he wants us to know and understand. So if God was so compassionate about the people of Nineveh, passionate with the people of America and all the nations of the earth, that he wants to reach out to us, he wants to touch us, he wants to heal us, he wants to set us free, he wants to let his glory come upon us to change us, to give us direction from his heart. One of the things about hearing from God is this, that in hearing from God, we have to be obedient to what God says. Now, it's interesting that Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. But when sin came in, that connection with God so closely, we don't find Adam in great fellowship with God after that. You don't find that. You can look at the God of the universe. Adam would walk and talk with the creator of the universe. But when sin came in, it presented itself as deception. They fell in the garden, Adam and Eve. That from that time, there was a separation. We don't find a dialogue with God, with Adam. And Adam lived 930 years. Just think about that. Also, the genealogy you'll find all the way through, you find it in Genesis chapter 5, how there's a man called Enoch. Now, he was the seventh from Adam. What's interesting about that, because we ourselves can go five generations. My great-grandfather, 
to my grandfather, to my father, to my son, and to my son's son. That's five generations. So the Bible says Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And that means that was great, 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 great. <laughs> That's seven greats having to do with the fact of talking about generational. But we got to remember, too, the men previous to the flood lived for hundreds of years. Adam lived 930 years. Then his son Methuselah, the oldest man who lived, was 969 years. You know what that was showing? That was showing that the cup of iniquity was not full yet. And it took God 969 years to make his mind up about the flood. Also, too, in Scripture tells us that when the flood came, that's when Methuselah died. Because his name in Hebrew was this, at his death judgment will come. How would you like to be called that walking down the street? Hey, at death judgment will come. I'm sure they tried to keep him alive. <laughs> they tried to keep him alive a long time. Methuselah. So we read that through the scriptures. So God is a compassionate God. The cup of iniquity was not full. It didn't run over. And so when the flood came, you find on the other side of the flood, they didn't live 900 years anymore. And then finally, what God said, that's why the flood came. He says, the wickedness of man is so bad that he was so angered at it, God was. He said, he's sorry he even made man. Because all kind of strange things were happening. Sin was rampant in the world. And so God instructed Noah to build an ark. As that ark was built, and we don't know who all was enforced to make the construction of it, but God gave the dimensions of it, told exactly how it would be. And so in that relationship, God spoke to Noah. We find in Genesis 6 and verse 3, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know what Noah means in Hebrew? This is an amazing word. The word Noah in Hebrew means peaceful. He was very peaceful. He was quiet. No, that's the word I'm looking for. He was quiet. Now, you can name him anything but quiet because those turbulent times were upon them at that time. Even the time when Noah was born all the way through. And the family called him quiet. And we don't know about the nature of anything else, but we know this, that Noah and his sons and their wives were the ones left to populate the earth after that time. But showing you how God cares and understands for his people is so amazing. And we're just, just you know, dumbfounded about that. But getting back to Adam was this, that God even said about Ephraim. He gives a whole list of sins in Hosea. He said, Ephraim did this and he did that and did the other. He said, how can I give Ephraim up? So what we hear from the garden, we hear from the garden. I believe God had tears in his eyes. And even in his throat, he was having a hard time talking. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? That shows you that our God cares and understands. He knows where you are tonight. He knows your predicament. He knows your problem. 
but he has a promise for you. You will live and not die. The promise of God has been placed upon us. And God wants to bless his people. Peace, that's what he wants us to come to. That's one of the hardest things to obtain anyway. Peace, peace of mind. Peace in your soul, that's your mind, your emotions, your will. Peace in your body, that you won't be sick. So all the things that God has made provision for, we walk into, we thank him for it, we give him glory, we give him praise, we give him glory. All the honor belongs unto him for what he has done for us. What a plan. All we have to do is follow the plan. But in hearing from God, we find that one of the things that God loves is obedience to what he says. And it, the Bible tells us, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Which means if we will be obedient to the voice of the word of God, the blessings of heaven can and will be ours. That's what God wants to do. He just wants to open out his treasure house of blessings to his children. The ones that belong to him. The ones that serve him. The ones that love him. The ones that worship him in spirit and in truth. So hearing from God, we find all the way through the scripture how that obedience is preeminent, what they should be doing, how they should be going, what area they were supposed to take. Here's an example of disobedience. Uh, Turn with me over here to, it's a very interesting story. It has to do with the life of Saul. And Saul was disobedient to the plan and the purpose of God. And it shows you that when God has statements already made, he speaks to us in such a way that obedience is better than sacrifice. We run to that story here in 1 Samuel. It's so powerful, so wonderful, and it gives us such information in regard to the way that God looks at us, the way that he sees us right now. And since the movings of God are so precious and so wonderful to our hearts and lives, that we are to that point, the place where we understand how much he loves us. Just got to get that through our our, our uh, hearts. We got to get that too to us. You find this in First Samuel, and we're looking in chapter 15. Here's a story. I won't read the whole story, but I'll tell you something about that story. And it has to do with the fact and the plan that uh, this is what happened. Talking about that time and noticing what it did in that respect is an amazing thing. And so in that 15th chapter, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint you to be king over the people of Israel. Therefore, listen under the voice of the words of the Lord. He tells him exactly what he should do. Thus saith the Lord, remember in Amalek you did Israel, and what way wait for him. Came up from Asia, go smite Amalek, and utterly destroy everything. And he goes on to explain what they need to destroy. And then you go down there from verse 3. And uh, so Paul takes Saul. Saul actually takes this thing upon his heart and mind. He thinks he's going to thank God. Uh, look look at this right here in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag 
And what did they do? They kept the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatling, the lambs, and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, they destroyed utterly. Where the Lord came unto Samuel said unto him, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandment. So it grieved Samuel, he cried all night long. And finally Samuel goes down there. And uh, verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul and said, And Saul said, Blessed be thou the Lord. He was playing church right there. Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You might as well right then. You could have said, liar, liar, pants on fire. You didn't do anything. Say. You lived according to as you wanted to do, and you did what you were set to do. Samuel says, what does this mean? The bleeding of the sheep of my ears, the lowing of the oxen, but here. And first thing he said, he started making excuses. He said, he said uh, well, look what I brought. He said, the people. Yeah, now, now, when you're king, you don't have to put yourself before the people. That's the last thing you'll think about. Because he's king, he could do anything he wanted to do. And that was the deal. But so he blamed it on the people. He said, the people, they spared the best of the sheep and the oxen, the sacrifice of the Lord, and the rest of the destroyed. And Samuel said unto him, Saul, you stand and I'll tell you what the Lord said about me to this night. He said, say on. And Samuel said, when you were small in your own eyes, not made head of the tribes of Israel, the Lord anointed you to be king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a journey and go and utterly destroy the Amalekites and fight against them till they're consumed. Wherefore did you not obey the voice of the Lord and you did fly upon the spoil and you did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Oh, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way the Lord told me to go. And he tells all the things that he did here. But then again, then verse 21, he says the same thing he said back here, well, the people. That had nothing to do with it at all. He could blame the people, to, you know, till the cows come home. That's all what he did. He said he blamed the people. He blamed the people. He said, yeah, the people, they're the ones, they took the spoil, they took the sheep, they took the oxen. She thinks they should have been utterly destroyed. They're the ones. They're the culprit. And so, listen. Samuel said, Had the Lord great delight in offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. But here's the key right here. Verse 23. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. So when our hearts are not connected to heaven, we can have this set in to us. I have met people before who said they were doing God the service. They told me, even with their own mouths, they said, well, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do this. You better be careful with that. When you hear from God, it has to agree with the word. It has to agree with the word. It's not something that you make up in your own mind. And that's something that you've got to say. That's something you come off lightly with. It's something that God has put down deep in your spirit. When God has given you a word in your spirit, then you can abide by that. But if it just comes to your head, your head doesn't count. You're dealing with your spirit. God is a spirit. 
But they that worship him must worship him in spirit too. So he's talking to your spirit. As we've said before, your body is your five senses. Your soul is your emotions and your thinking power. All of that. Then your spirit makes communication to God. So God was trying to get this information through the prophet Samuel to bring to the king. And the king was supposed to obey Samuel. But listen to it. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It's a very dangerous situation there. That means you've turned yourself over to evil. And stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. And then he tried to play. He's on the other side, oh, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. He thought he could get back with that. He said, please, please, pardon my sin. Forgive me. And Samuel said, I can't do that. Because you have been rejected. You have rejected the word of the Lord. Verse 26. The Lord have rejected you from being king over Israel. And from that day, from that day, it went from bad to worse. So it was a spiral downward having to do with the fact of Saul. Now, when he was anointed as king, one of the classifications that he had is that he was taller than anybody. The Bible says he was head and shoulders over everybody. And according to his appearance, he looked like everything was made in the shade. He had it made in the shade. But the whole thing revolved around the fact of what he wanted to do. One of the things about hearing from God is you, you must hear God through his word. His word is number one. Whatever God says through the word. We had a tragic situation after several years ago. That there was a prophet that we didn't know it until later on from another country. And they tried to have Brother Sumrall, my daddy, fly out there and have a burial for her husband. It was a very sad thing. And what the thing was this, that some prophet had told them that they were to go to a certain island there in the Philippines and God was going to give them a great revival. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be all these things and more. And six months later, this man dies. They just couldn't live like on that island that they were on. And, and they got sick. The man died. And so she wanted him, Brother Summer, to fly out there and raise a man from the dead. Well, Brother Sumrall has compassion for people. And he, he said, dear sister, what you should have done, you could have consulted with somebody else rather than hearing just from one person. Because God always agrees with his word. If you didn't have any word to go, then you shouldn't have gone. And we don't know what happened to that family. I mean, that's a long time ago, way many, many years ago. But that's just one thing that comes to mind. So God is always in contact with his word. And Saul, King Saul, he went against the word of God, against the man of God. And look at the spiral down, down the showcase, what he had. He went all the way from being king to being dejected. You find from that rebellion, sin went into rebellion. And rebellion, the Bible says, is like witchcraft. We find out later that when Saul was coming to Samuel again, he said, I'm not getting any information because 
during those seasons, during those times, they could come by the urine of the summit. That means the priest would come, and he had different ways of the breastplate. The breastplate would be around the high priest, and on the bottom part of the plate would be the urine of the summit. There would be a supernatural light coming from the urine of the summit to give information to the ones asking. That's how many times that the Lord blessed them giving them answers by that means. Of course, it was by the prophets. And then after the prophets, and what they had were different things that God would help them with to have direction. But as we see from King Saul, he went past all of that, and we will find that he missed what God was doing in his life. So we must have an open heart to hear what God has to say. And we cannot take on what we think. We can't do that. Because God wants us to operate in the kingdom mentality. To know what God wants in our hearts and lives. Of course, he wants souls saved. He wants people coming. He wants the truth spoken. He wants teaching to go on. He wants the blessing to go on. He wants the anointing to go on. He wants glory to come. He, all these things, all these blessings shall roll upon you, shall overtake you. God, our God, that's what he wants. So hearing from God, we, you know, one of the things that we hear from God and we have from God is his presence. Is his presence. Presence is fullness of joy. I want you to notice something with me right here. Is we will come back to this just in a minute, but I want to show you the difference between Saul and David. David had a heart for God. Look at Psalm 5. Psalm 5. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Psalms. 150 Psalms. And if you'll read one every day, you'll be edified. You'll be built up. Here in the book of Psalms, chapter 5, Psalm 5, we have the relationship that David has with God. That's one of the ways of hearing from God is the fact of knowing his presence, knowing his presence. And as David cries out before the Lord, as he ministers unto the Lord, he says, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Then he goes on to say, when he considers that, uh, back to five. I was at eight for a moment, but that has something to do with it too. Excuse me. Uh, in five, it says this: Give ear to my words, listen to my meditation. That notice what he said in verse three: My voice you will hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct my prayer unto you. I will look up, for you're not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil live with you. Talks about the foolish. Talks about those things. Then down to verse 4. But as for me, I will come into your house. Into the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy feet, I will worship towards your holy temple. I'm telling you, when you read these Psalms, hear the very voice that David had toward his God in relationship by 
causing that. When he, he actually, what happened there is the fact it was not a promotion to him, but as he was lifting up God, lifting up His name, praising Him, giving Him glory, giving Him honor, giving Him worship. When he was doing that, that's when His presence, the Lord's presence, came upon him in such power. And today, if you want to start seeking His face. Start blessing his name. Wake up early in the morning, whatever time that you're best at, and you give him worship and praise. I'm in a place right now I call the sanctuary. We have a place designated in our house called the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, we do not eat in the sanctuary. We do not drink in the sanctuary. We just come to worship God. And his power, and his presence, and his glory, and his life, flows in this room. We have dedicated this room to our God. The dedication of our heart to God from this room reaches out to whoever's listening right now. I feel his presence so strong right now. His glory is on me right now. The fire of God is on me right now. As I just lift up his name. I lift up your name, Lord. I lift up your name. I lift up your name, Lord. Ah. So, if David was saying, as for me, this is in verse 7 now, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy and in thy fear. Now, that's what's going to be established in Washington, D.C., is the fear of the Lord will be established because we as intercessors, we as people that have sought the face of God, praying for the nation, that's what must come back to the nation again, is seeking his face and thereby establishing the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It's, 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 it's a reverential fear. It's not a quaking fear as to, you know, scared of cat fear. No, this is reverential that we revere him, we honor him, we give him the glory. We give him the praise. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, that kind of, that's what we're talking about right there. So as we lift our voice before our king, we will feel and know his presence. In his presence, in his presence. Down to verse 11. Let all those that put their trust in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy. Because you defend them. And for those that love your name, be joyful in thee. The Lord will bless the righteous with favor and will surround him as like with a shield. Oh, these are these are just some of the things that so when we have a relationship with our God according to his word, that word inside of us will grow and grow and grow. And we will become what God wants us to become. And that word will start flowing through us. The word of God will flow through us. I will give you the whole testimony that back in February of this year, I was experiencing physical problems and high blood pressure, very dangerous. And so I was taken to the hospital. I got myself in the hospital, was placed in there, and then went to intensive care because a lot of things didn't go right. And I guess they found a kind of a problem in my heart. They checked it out and everything else. And then 
while I was in intensive care, one of the nurses said, you're very close to death last night. I said, really? I said, why? He said, if your heartbeat would have gone down to 25 beats a minute, you'd have flatlined. That means you'd have been dead. But your heartbeat only went down to 30. I said, well, that's, that's, that's nice to know. But you know what, friends? What came out of my spirit? <laughs> what came out of my spirit was the word of God. And the word of God said through me, he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them from them all. From that point in time, from intensive care, in two days' time, I was out of that hospital. <laughs> I don't want to see another one for a long time. I might go pray for somebody in the hospital. I sure don't want to be one of the participants. Let's put it that way. So God is on our side. Relationship, knowing him, serving him, loving him, giving him praise, giving him glory, giving him honor, blessing his holy name. Oh, that's what we're right, right there. As we understand that. So David, he had a heart for God. And the relationship to his God is such a beautiful, beautiful way. I'm turning to Psalm 42. This is one of my favorite songs. And in dealing with this at the civics, having to do with, now as you read these psalms, take them into your heart, you will find that these psalms will bring the presence of the Lord. I guarantee you. Like in Psalm 42, it says, as the heart. Now we're talking about a deer. As the heart pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When I come and appear before God, my tears have been my beat day and night. While they continue to say, where's your God? But I remember these things, and I pour out my soul in me. The ones that had gone with the multitude, with them, to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise in the multitude that kept holy day. Then verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He talks about a few things like that. Look at verse 7. Deep calls it deep, but the noise of your water spouts. And thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Then verse 8 is so powerful. It said, yet the Lord will command. Now that's what I'm seeing in the year that we live, this year, in 2014. It's not time to give God suggestions. It's time to let God speak to us the command. For the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Out of the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. <laughs> I will say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why did I go mourning? The oppression of the enemy has with the sword in my bones. My enemies reproach me. They say daily, where's your God? But here's the secret right here in verse 11. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet, put a circle around yet, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. <laughs> we can preach on that level right there. 
having to do with the fact that that relationship brings us to such a presence. When we read the scripture, it brings his presence into our life in such a glorious, glorious way. Over to Psalm 63, Psalm 63, and we have another beautiful psalm of David. Oh, God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsteth for you. My flesh longs for you as a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory as I have seen you in the sanctuary. All churches need to read that. God wants to be in your sanctuary, giving him glory, giving him praise, giving him honor, blessing his name, watching God do things in there, healing the sick, removing all the powers of the enemy. Hallelujah. Breaking the power of depression. Breaking the power of sadness. Breaking the power of rejection. Breaking the power of the wounded heart. Breaking the power that the enemy has come against you like a flood. The Bible says he's raised up a standard. He's raised up a standard against the enemy. Take us over. Hallelujah. To see your power and glory as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Because of thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Now, you have to have a different concept of lifting up your hands in the name of Jesus. The relationship we have with our Father should be such a loving relationship. Now, when we think about lifting our hands in the air, we're thinking about somebody that has a gun in the middle of our back. Now, these weren't cowboys back here. Cowboys do that. Reach for the sky. Then you take your hands and put it in the air. And what do you, if you had any implement on you, such a gun or something, that you had to drop it. But no, I see a different perspective here. <laughs> You're going to like this. Because a few years back, the Lord was speaking to me in the direction of this psalm here. And he said, no, I don't have a gun in your back for you to praise me. I want you to think again that when you were a little boy and you were looking for daddy, and when you saw daddy, you'd call his name and say, daddy, and then you'd run as hard as you could, and daddy would pick you up. That's what I see, lifting our hands to God. We're running to him. Not away from him. We're running into his presence. We're running into his glory. We're running into his majesty. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I could talk about this for a while. I'll tell you what. The presence of the Lord is so strong. I feel his anointing here so great. It has to do with the fact that we're talking about tonight hearing God. One of the ways of hearing God is walking in his presence. Walking in his presence, letting him respond to us as we respond to him. You know, when that scripture talks about be still and I know I am God, that's a wonderful scripture. It's not that people, you know, just not like the word shut up or just be quiet. The reason we're being still is because we need to hear the voice of God. But if you're talking too much, you can't hear God. So many times in the reflection and meditation in the spirit, 
What God wants is just to be quiet. We can receive direction. We can receive direction. I was asking one of my friends that had been military. I said, now, when that sergeant starts giving commands, is there anybody talking? He said, if they do, they do an eight-mile run. I said, oh, ho, ho, ha, ha. That means when the Lord wants to speak to us, that's when we need to be quiet. Be still and know that I am God. That's direction right there. That's the direction that God wants you to take. He wants us to walk into that direction. Know that he is God. Oh, my, 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 my. Uh, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. I know we're skipping around here. What we did, basically we were speaking from Psalm 63. From Psalm 63, we went all the way over here to a lovely psalm that God wants us to walk into and understand. Had blessing. In 84, it's just very positive and powerful and wonderful. How, what this is, how amiable. Now, what does that speak about? What does the word amiable mean? If you understand and notice that scripture in itself, means amiable means worthy of praise. That's the meaning, the context of it. How amiable are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. That's the God of battle when it's the Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yes, <laughs> fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. Hallelujah. Down to four. Blessed are they that live in your house. That dwelling means living. They shall still raising you. I like that. Then it has the word selah. One of the things about the word selah means think about it. That's what it means in the Hebrew. Think, Just think about that. Pause and think about it. Selah. Blessed be the man whose strength is in thee whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it the well of rain that fills up the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion. I've got this outlined and circled and everything. In Zion, before God. O Lord of hosts, Lord God of hosts, Hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, O God, our shield. Look upon the face of thy anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. We sing that song all the time. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to live in the tents of wickedness. Verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing with he will withhold from them that walk uprightly. A load of hosts. Now notice how many times it says that load of hosts, load of hosts. That means that God's in control. When it mentions the Lord of hosts, that means Jehovah Shabbat. That's what it's talking about. Jehovah Shabbat. 
Oh, hallelujah. We ever get into those things. And so one of the areas, too, of hearing from God is knowing God and knowing the names of God. We might be talking about that next week having to do with the fact knowing the names of God. Because all of the redemptive names of God speak about his character, speak exactly how great he is. When we talk of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, Jehovah Zedjena, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace. All the way through, Jehovah Jireh, he will provide, Jehovah Rapha, he is the Lord our healing. In every redemptive name, there's there's about 14 different names, but we'll specifically name with by maybe six, seven names like that. The ones that we're most acquainted with. Because there are different names through the word of God having to do with the fact that God's name. And you'll notice what it says. He is. I love that right there. He is. Not that he will be. He is. He is the Lord our righteousness. He is the Lord our healer. He is the Lord our provision. As you go through every one of those, you will find the relationship of knowing God. I have to give you the story. I mean, this is an amazing story. Several years back, I was in the land of Indonesia. In the land of Indonesia, this young man came to me, and his family supported his story. And at one time, he was heavily involved in witchcraft. And so his grandmother was the only one that was a Christian in the family. I just call him Max, a very interesting person. Max had given himself to the devil, and the devil had him do many various things. And he was something else. He was above all of the witchcraft in that area there in Indonesia. Indonesia was full of witchcraft at that time, back several years ago. But they have had revivals. They've had movies of the spirit. God's blessed. But anyway, this, this guy was so possessed of the devil that he belonged to a witchcraft group. They would do strange things. The police were even after them. They'd be chasing them because they'd change themselves into animals or anything else. It was really crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And finally, what happened was that the grandmother had a feeling to send her grandson a Bible. He had never seen a Bible before. So he just left it. It was on his night table. Never opened it. But what happened is when that Bible was in his room, the demonic powers were lessening upon his life. The man who was the controller of his, you know, watching over him, overseeing him in a witchcraft, was so angry at him because he felt he was leaving that group. He felt that. Of course, the demonic influence. And so what he did to Max, he took a sword out, cut him open in the stomach, left him there to die. Well, because the witchcraft was so strong in him, three days later, it mended itself. His stomach was mended by itself. So that didn't kill him. They tried to do other things to kill him. Finally, he was about ready to go to sleep one night, went home. 
and he lifted up his sheet to go to bed, and in the sheet was a cobra. When a cobra bites you, you're dead pretty soon. And, of course, he didn't know what to do to hit the cobra or anything, but the only thing available was the Bible. So he put the Bible on the head of the cobra, and the cobra froze. God froze that snake. And so Max said, he picked up that snake, killed it, and he started looking at the book. He said, if that book is that strong, I need to read that book. So by him reading the Word of God, he came to know God, told me a story. He was an evangelist like me. We traveled all over Indonesia. We got a lot of people saved, filled, delivered. And so by that in itself, the book is stronger than you could ever imagine. That's why we read the book. That's why we have contact with our God. That's why the Lord loves us in such a way. He loves those that love his word. Oh, it's wonderful to know our God. Our God is a mighty God. He loves us with an everlasting love. He said, that's why he says to us, with loving kindness have I drawn you and shown you my salvation. All the way through the word of God, if you would read the 150 songs, you will be edified. That means build up. If you will read that, read maybe five psalms a day. Love to get into the psalms and read, 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 read. So you love God according to how much you love his word. That's what hearing from God. I don't believe any person would tell me if they hear from God and they don't read the word. I would not believe that. Because his word is his will. His word is his relationship to us. The more we read the word of God, our hearts are drawn closer to him. I don't know what kind of translations you have. It might be amplified. It might be the Message Bible. It might be the New King James. It might be the King James. It might be the Moffat. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of translations around. But you have to let the Word of God come inside of you and change you. That's what he wants to do. That's the principle of the whole information. Did you realize that even in heaven, the Word will be prominent? The Word of God will be there. But it's an amazing thing that we will follow the Lord in beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that's what he's doing right now by the power of his Spirit. Glory to God. He's such a good God. We give him all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One of the great psalms is Psalm 119. In that Psalm 119, there's 176 verses in that. And in those 176 verses, it's speaking about the Word of God. So if you would read all the 176, then it takes by the Hebrew alphabet, taking you like from R, A to Z, it's the Hebrew alphabet. 
that's what it has, the different declarations having to do with the fact of the word of God. How that many times it refreshes us. So it's it's really a book within a book. As we read those things, as we study those things, as the, the blessing and the praises of heaven come forth from our lips. We can never say enough to our God, how we love him and how we praise him and how we serve him and how we thank him for all the things he does. We give him all glory and honor and praise by reading the word. The word gets in you. The word of God that comes inside of our being is so great and so wonderful and so blessed that we need this word. We need this word. That's why it tells us in Psalm 134. said, Behold, bless you the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made the heavens and the earth. Bless you where? Out of Zion. Oh, my, my, my. So we have exhortations to bless God. We have all these other things, all these praises and blessings and things of that nature. It's beautiful. That is going to get greater. And here's the thought. What you need to do is find all the places where it talks about a new song. I will sing a new song. It talks about in Ezekiel, a new song. A new heart will I give you. A new song, it talks about it all the way through the the uh, book of Psalms. Uh, this is in Psalm 144. It having to do with a new song, verse 9. I will sing a new song unto you, O God. Upon the psaltery, upon the instrument of ten strings, I will sing praises unto you. <laughs> oh, that's what we need to do. That's exactly what we need to do. God's a good God. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I'm getting excited. I'm just just enjoying myself, going from scripture to scripture. And sometimes I have an outline. Sometimes I don't have an outline. And I just speak by the Spirit of God. But what we're talking about, what we're reaching into, where we're going. And God is doing some mighty things, I feel, by the power of the Spirit. And uh, if, if you're in the local area here and you don't have a church, come see us at the river. We love people at the river. Pastors Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown, great men and women of God, great men and women of God. Uh, church is wonderful, the river, the river. And we have students with the river. And, you know, a lot of good things. God is doing things tremendously above our expectation. So get in the Word. Let the Word get in you. That's what He wants. He wants the Word of God in your mouth, in your heart, and in your life. It's just totally amazing that the more you read the Word, you get into it more. Now, this is not like a newspaper. You can read a newspaper and throw it away the next day. It can go in somebody's birdcage. That's what it's for. And newspaper reading one day, put in somebody's birdcage. That's all it's for. But the Word of God, the Bible says it's a living book. It speaks to us. It talks to us. It gives us information. It gives us guidance. It helps and encourages and lifts us up. How wonderful, how blessed, how anointed. Oh, glory to his wonderful name. 
So if you want to feel the touch of the master right now, just if you're not saved right now, say these words as me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Come into my life. Lord, I thank you for dying on Calvary. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for blessing my life. I repent of all my sin. I thank you that you're releasing my heart to righteousness. You're causing me to live the way that you want me to live. And I say this and believe it. In the mighty, holy, precious name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. Now you can get with Brother Adam or Sister Deborah. Say that you made that confession with your mouth. You believe in your heart. You said it with your mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. That's what it's all about. Knowing him. Knowing him. Knowing him. Knowing how Jesus loves you. It's real simple. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I trust that you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's in full operation in your life. And the glory, the power, the victory, the blessing, the anointing, the praises, the adulation, the using of the hands, doing everything we can, waving before him, giving him all the praise and all the glory. May he fill you tonight with his power and with his glory. That's our prayer for you. In the wonderful, holy, precious name of Jesus. You be blessed. Now, we will say it in southern style. Y'all be blessed out here. Okay. Have a great night. God bless you. Turn it back over to Brother Adam. God bless you, Brother Adam. Take it and run with him. Bless you, Brother Frank. Um, Always a blessing to have you on. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Yes, hallelujah. I'm getting excited as I do it, I tell you. It's just Uh, so amazing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to have you. I mean, we're, we get excited yeah. every time every time you come on yeah. and every time you share. The anointing yeah. is strong. Yes, hallelujah. You too. You be blessed. Body, soul, and spirit. Thank you. You hallelujah. too. Okay. All righty. Bye now. Bye now. Bye-bye. 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 Bless you. Okay. Bye-bye. Amen. Well, it's always a blessing to have Brother Frank. It seems like we say goodbye for about five minutes so when it gets done, but that's okay. Um, so uh, we really that's wish all he. Right. I don't mind. We wish we wish he could stay on, but that's okay. So, um, <laughs> man, Frank hit some really amazing stuff tonight. Um, so really, the main three things that I think he hit more than anything regarding our relationship with God and the importance of us hearing from God clearly is the the fear of the Lord, humility, and the power of the Word of God, and all those three things are tied together because you cannot possibly begin to understand or know God or know his word without the fear of the Lord and humility. Amen. So that's going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to tag team off of uh, brother Frank there and I'm going to start going into some stuff on humility and the fear of the Lord. And then I'm going to, and we're going to go into some stuff on the power of the word of God. And of course, uh, as Deborah, when Deborah speaks, whatever God lays on her heart. Um, So when it comes to the fear of the Lord, I want to go into some scriptures here. The Bible says very clearly that in Proverbs 22:4, that the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Amen. 
here's another scripture, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, what's that have to do with humility? Well, to be poor in spirit means to realize your desperate need for God. You're desperate. You, you know, it's not that I mean poor financially, being poor in spirit, that realizing you don't, ha- you don't realize, you, you realize how bad you need God. You're desperate for him. You realize you have nothing without him. And then Numbers 12, 3 this is amazing. This is talking about Moses now. Moses, there's several people in the Bible we can call the friends of God, which we'll also hopefully go into tonight. There's like Moses, there's David, and there's Abraham are three of the most notable examples. Um, and it says this about Moses. It says, the man Moses was very meek, or another word for meek is humble, above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. Now, it's amaz- what's amazing to me about that, I'm going to go into this, is that when you realize that the book of Numbers was actually written by Moses, inspired by the Holy Ghost, so Moses, inspired by the Holy Ghost, actually said about himself that he was the most humble man in all the earth. That, that's just that's astounding. Um, so what a thing to say. But that's why Moses was the friend of God is because he, had, he was humble and he had the fear of the Lord. Uh, and I'm going to read one more about humility. This is uh, about this king named Uzziah, and this is what it says. And first it's Isaiah 6, 1 through 9. Everyone just stay with me because I'm, I'm going somewhere. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train filled the temple. I want to emphasize the phrase, the year that King Uzziah died. And then if we go to, who is, who's this king named Uzziah? Well, to understand that, you have to go to Second Chronicles 26. If you want to go with me, I'm just going to read a few scriptures to explain who this man is. 16 years old, this is verse 1, 16 years old was, was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. And it says that his mother's name was Jecoelia of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord after all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And here we are. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him prosper. So, and it goes into all the accomplishments that he did. So, you know, just like you probably would, when you're made the king of an entire nation at age 16, he sought the Lord. But what happens is once he learned how to be king, once he was amassed in his knowledge, then, like many do, he began to rebel against the Lord. Because it says, it says later in there, it says that when he, when he was strong, and this is, uh, this is going to be Second Chronicles 26, verse 16. It says, but when he was, starting with verse 15, I'm sorry, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord. Notice it says when he was strong. So first, he realizes his absolute need for God when he has nothing. But once he's strong and amasses riches, amasses wealth, and amasses knowledge, then he loses, he loses his fear of the Lord. He begins and begins to, you know, he doesn't need God anymore. How does that apply to us? Well, as Christians, we start off usually like, man, we don't know nothing. But once the Lord begins to teach us stuff, Christians have a tendency to become, if you will, professional Christians. And uh, it's because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And once they become puffed up in their knowledge, they start operating out of their knowledge, and they stop diligently seeking the Lord, realizing they're desperate because now they know how to do it. They got their they got their four spiritual laws. They got their seven steps to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They got their keys to healing. They got it all, man. They know how to walk this thing. So, and that's very dangerous. And I can say in my own walk, you know, just a personal experience. You know, I remember, you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of knowledge, and you know. I was really getting convicted as just to keep humbling myself before the Lord as Frank was talking. And I remember God, God spoke to me and he said, you know, 
that if any man thinks he knows anything, he doesn't know like he ought to know. And I was like, okay, what do you mean, God? And I came to church that next Sunday, and one of our pastors walked up to me, started talking, and the Spirit of God came on me, and he says, Adam, you need to forget about everything you know and just go after Jesus like you just got born again. So just like Uzziah, I had, I, I'll be honest, I had come to a place where I thought I knew a lot, but God was saying that it, you, if you're going to have a fresh vision of me, then you're going to have to forget about everything you know. It doesn't mean it's not there, but you're going to have to not focus on what you know, and you're going to have to forget that stuff and right for right now, and you're going to have to get on your face, and you're going to have to begin to diligently seek me again if you're going to have a fresh vision of me. Very, very humbling <laughs> to get that from the Lord. And um, now regarding the fe- – there's some scriptures on the fear of the Lord uh, and humility. Uh, the f- what is, first, let's establish that before I go any further. <laughs> the fear of the Lord. Um, there's a difference between being afraid of God and the fear of God. I think that's really, really important. Um, you know, because to be afraid of God is just that. It means that you're you fear him, but you don't have a reverent fear of him. You run away from him. Typically, if someone's afraid of God, it's either A, they have a bad image of him, or B, they have, they feel like they have something to hide. One thing I want to say about God is that if you if you'll come to God, you know, humbly and it bring your issues to for the Lord, and you're willing for the Lord to help you deal with your issues, then you don't have to be afraid of him. You know, um, that's that's really important to know. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 13 through 16, that ne- it says that we do not, it says he, that we can, it says that we do not have a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. So that means if you're willing to be honest with God and you're willing to let everything be revealed in the light of his glory in his presence, then you don't have to be afraid of him as long as you're willing to deal with the issues when they're revealed. But you do have to be afraid of God if you're not – if you want to try to hide things and you want to justify things and you don't want to deal with things. Those are really the only people that really have to be afraid of God. Um, so so, the, if that, so being, if being afraid of God is running from God and trying to hide things from God, then what is the fear of the Lord? Well, to put it bluntly, the fear of the Lord would be afraid to be away from God. You, I mean, you're just like, he's your everything. I mean, you reverence him above all else. You reverence his word above all else. And you want nothing else but the light of his truth shining in your innermost being, no matter how bad it hurts, because you reverence his word above all else. That's really what it means to fear the Lord. You tremble his word. You're like, God, your, your word is my everything. You know, Frank was talking about the importance of the word of God. You know, some examples of a man who feared God, he was talking about David. It says, you know, David would say in Psalms 119, 136, what an amazing chapter. Uh, Streams of water run down my eyes because they uh, do not observe your law. So David uh, revered, and he's an Old Testament Testament saint. It's like he he revered the word of God so much that he he would cry because people didn't obey obey his word. You know, and uh, that's that's really how we walk in freedom. You know, the Bible says very clearly that, in Hebrews 8.10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind, and on their heart I will write them, and I will be a God, and they shall be to me a people. So it's when we have the word of God written on our hearts, like that, that's when we're truly free. It's, you know, people think that I'm, I'm glad I'm under grace and under law because, you know, it's so much easier now. No, I mean, it's actually the standard is higher, but, the, but the, he gives us the grace to live because when we fear him, we, he burns his word upon our heart, and we don't want to sin anymore. We don't want to walk in those things. That's really the key. It's all about drawing near and letting God burn his word into your heart. Right. That's, um, 
you know, that's a, a lot of uh, good things and clarifying uh, that fear doesn't always mean afraid, like an Alfred Hitchcock movie or something like that. <clears throat> you know, things like that. When uh, Pastor Frank was talking about the story about in Indonesia, Indonesia that happened with mm-hmm. that man that was into witchcraft and and he ended up the only thing I guess handy to to kill the snake with was the Bible. And when he actually put it on him, it froze the snake. And you know, it talk, it, I mean, that's pretty powerful right there. And it talks about how in, in um, I don't have it in front of me, but you know, uh, you do drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. You know, uh, shall take up serpents, and they will not harm you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look it up, but it you know, it's talking about basically all those things in the Great Commission. Even though this guy was evidently possessed and he was into witchcraft. But still, I mean, it's still the Bible. When when uh, Brother Frank was talking about how how it has, um, you know, the Bible just by itself, when it was in his room, just being in his room, in his house, in his place of, of residence, uh, weakened his demonic powers because it's a it's living word, it's living, and uh, so. With with that, I mean, you know, it's just the book in itself, you know, is is that. And <clears throat> I know that some days if I've been going through hard times or, or if I, uh, you know, I mean, actually, Brother Frank, what he was talking about when he said that story kind of gave me a revelation because sometimes if I've had a, been having a hard time or just been down or just something happened or whatever, then I actually would go to sleep holding my Bible close to my chest, just holding it like I would hold a person or something. Because I actually felt, it was almost like I felt power coming from it. And like I felt less afraid, like I wasn't alone. I felt stronger. And when Brother Frank was talking about how he said when God, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, you know, why do we raise our hands and lift them up? He says, when you were a little boy and you said, Daddy, you 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 reached out your arms to hold him, to be around him. So in a way, I guess it was my manifested, um, I mean, we can feel his presence, but that was for me something tangible to hold. And I think in those ways, that kind of gave me a revelation of that. And also, when I was thinking about... Um, I know I've said this before. They actually made a song out of it, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. You know, that's an acronym for Bible. And so with um, with that, I actually had uh, the scripture I was thinking about when he was talking about Psalm 119. And then you had just talked about um, having the word in your heart and some other things that you had said. And I... I Looking at Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So basically, the word and having that in, in our heart and so that we won't sin against him. And then also if issues come up or whatever, then when you hide that word, whatever issue you're dealing with is going to come, come, you know, your spirit, you're going to train your spirit to, to bring it up so that you're not going to have an issue with it. And so with that, and also, excuse me, I'm like trying to clear my throat here, but um, 
that's kind of what I was thinking about that. And draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And that's in James 4, 8. So that's also dealing with the heart. You know, a lot of it is... Uh, a lot of it is, of course, a heart issue, um, hiding the word in our heart. And everything really basically, when you think about it, is a heart issue with, with God. Because as we have our hearts right, making our hearts right in Psalm 51, where he talks about creating me a clean heart, re- renew a right spirit within me. And so, and allowing the fire of God to burn out all the issues that we have, but also being a part in it, like we've talked about before, us also having a part in that, that we, we too actually do have a part. So, mm-hmm. um, Regarding the Word of God, since that's where we're going, amen. I remember mm-hmm. uh, I was actually going to Psalms 119 as Frank was talking, and he went to Psalms 119. So I think it's important that we start really talking about the Word of God right now. Uh, James one twenty one says, therefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deluding yourselves. So not only does it tell you to take the word of God and put it in your heart, it says to make sure that you're a doer, lest you deceive yourselves. So you can actually hear, you can actually hear it, man. You can just be, man, you can go out Bible teaching and listen to sermons and get in your Bible, but if you don't actually apply the truth that you learn, then you can actually deceive yourself. It's kind of frightening. Um, it's just to have knowledge but be deceived by it. I just That's amazing. Um, so that's very, very important. So so the big thing with the Word of God is that, you know, we're, we're talking about the fear of the Lord, humility, and the Word of God is those things are inseparable. Without the fear of the Lord, you have no capacity to even begin to understand the Word of God. And, you know, in regarding that, I'm going to go into some scriptures in Psalms 119. And just I'm going to read some scriptures here to show the kind of heart you have to have towards the word of God. It says, blessed are those that keep his testimonies, this is verse 2, that seek him with the whole heart. They do know unrighteousness, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded his, uh, thy precepts that we should observe them diligently. Notice it doesn't say casually. Oh, that my ways were established to observe thy statutes. So even David here would see his weakness, but he wanted more. You know, he wants to grow. But then I shall not be put to shame when I have respect to your commandments. I will give thanks to you with uprightness heart I will, when I learn your righteous judgments. I will observe your statutes. Forsake me not utterly. Where, where shall a man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. With your whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I, what Deborah quoted, your word have I laid up in my heart that I may not sin against you. And here we are again. Blessed are you, O Jehovah, teach me your statutes. We can just go on and on. So we see over and over again how much David loved his word. And this is why he was a man after God's own heart, because he hid so much of God's word in his heart. So I, I so for the person that just, you know, you, you, you struggle to read a chapter of the Bible a day, look, I don't care what you got to do. Paul says, I buffet my body daily. In this last day, you better get in that word and you better get in your heart and cry out to the Lord and say, help me, God. And, you know, and cry out that God's going to, and you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And let him work with you with a cooperative effort, work with you to cleanse yourself in this last day and to walk in the fear of the Lord. Um, and, you know, regarding the fear of the Lord, um, this is uh, Exodus twenty twenty to, again, make that differentiation between, you know, being afraid of God and knowing God. It says, and this is Moses talking to the people, and I want to make this distinction. He says, Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you, to see that his fear may be before you, and that you sin not. 
So we see that the fear of the Lord and not sinning are connected. And, you know, we're talking that also with the fear of the Lord is loving his word. So Moses knows he tells them not to be afraid, but God has come to test them to see if, if this fear is in them. Because as we go into that story, which I'm not going to go into right now, we actually see Israel running away from God. So that proves that they didn't actually fear God. They were actually afraid of him, and that's why we eventually see them walking in disobedience and dying in the wilderness. Amen? Why? Because they – why? So what was happening? They didn't want – you can say it like this. Israel came out of Egypt, but they never really got Egypt out of them. They, they wanted their idols in their hearts to stay hidden. They did not want them to be revealed by the light of his glory. They loved their sin more than they loved, in God, loved God, and that's why they were afraid of him. And so if we, but if we love God more than we love our issues, more than we love our sins, more than we love our comfort, then you know what, we're going to say, you know, you know, we'll be like Peter in the gospels. He says, you know, Jesus, where else are we going to go? You're the only one with the words of eternal life. So even when we don't like what God's saying, our flesh may not enjoy what God's saying, but because we fear the Lord and know that his word is true, then it's above all else. We'll stick to it and we'll stay and we'll keep letting God work on us. Amen. We won't run for the sake of our comfort. Um, so, so some scriptures on the fear of the Lord, and we can like write these down or write the scriptures down in the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. This is a, a Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. This is a big one. Let us have the, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Here's his word in the fear of, fear of God and his word connected again. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And then. We see 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has not torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So, again, that's talking about being afraid of God. So if you're afraid of God, that, then, you, then, you're not, well, then you're not being perfected in love. That means that you, you and God need to work on that. You need to cry out to God, help me walk in the fear of the Lord. And this is Luke 1.50, and his mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. Psalms 33.8, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. So that's a good description right there of the fear of the Lord. It's a reverence and awe. You know, when the angels that have been around the throne of God for all of eternity crying out, holy, 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 that's the fear of the Lord. They are in awe of him. They're, contrary to popular belief, angels are not pre-programmed creatures that have to do this. They, if, if angels were pre-programmed creatures, then Lucifer wouldn't be who he is. He made a choice. These angels choose to be around the throne of God for all of eternity and cry holy. They never, they never say, hey, could I go check out another part in heaven? No, because nothing is more beautiful. No creation is more beautiful than the creator. And they stand in awe of him and they cry out holy. That's, what, that's one of the aspects of the fear of the Lord is, is a reverence and awe. You know, we sing, that, we sing that song in church and we yawn. You know, but the angels cry out holy. That's the fear. That's part of the fear of the Lord. So when we, we, I think one of the reasons that we don't fear God, I guess I'm going to go there, is is that we really don't know who He is. I mean, in the American church, we see, you know, we say Jesus is my buddy, He's my friend, He's my homeboy. But it, but what that does is it actually reduces His image. We don't fear God because we've actually reduced His image. So before I hand it back over to Deborah, I just want to talk a minute. For, who is this God that we're serving? Well, let's, let's look at it. Well, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. So we can actually get a glimpse of how big God, big God is by, by creation. So let's just look at that for a minute. Uh, the, the closest star to us besides the sun is 4.2 light years away. This is the closest besides the sun. Now, to give you an idea of how long a light year is, a light year is, I can't even comprehend this number, it's... 
I'm not even getting this number right. It's like five trillion eight hundred sixty-five billion six hundred ninety-six million miles per year. That's how far light travels. You can't even comprehend that number. So in a year, so now multiply that times four. Multiply almost six trillion by four, and that's how many. And that's if you got in a jumbo jet and traveled. You know, it would take you a ridiculous amount of time to get that light. Light, light travels six trillion miles per year just about and the closest star to us is that times four now you start going into some stars that are further beyond us you know now we're talking 20 light years and 30 light years and that's just in our own galaxy and now we start going into the closest galaxy to us and then the numbers start getting incomprehensible but yet god and then we got the the, the galaxies that the, even the hubble telescope hasn't discovered yet you can begin to grasp the vastness of the universe yet the bible says that God measured the universe with the span of his hands. So in the same, so if you can look at your thumb and your pinky and go like this, that God took the span of his hand and he measured this incomprehensible universe. This is the God we're serving. Um, it's, it's estimated that if a one if a meteor just like a mile wide was to hit the Pacific Ocean, that the wave from that ocean would literally wipe out a third of the Earth's population of just a little bit of the water from the Pacific Ocean was released. Yet the Bible is clear that he measured, those, he measured those waters like drops of water in the palm of his hand. This is the God we're serving. He is not some weak, he's not, he's not just your homeboy. He does want to be your intimate friend, but before you can know him as your intimate friend, you must understand who this God is. But now, and you know, if we read in the book of Revelations... And I'm going to go there in chapter one. Let's look at John's response when he saw Jesus. It wasn't high, high five, Jesus. Uh, he saw Jesus. And it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. I just want to point that out. The revelation is about Jesus. It's not about just the tribulation. It's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, even the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. And I'm going to go down to... This is, I'm going to go down to where John actually sees Jesus. He says, I am the, this is verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Lord God who was and is to, who is to come, the Almighty. And he says, and in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. That's verse 11. And then when we go down, is we see what, what John sees. And I turned to see the voice of him that spake unto me, having turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the candlesticks, one like a son of man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the breast with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white as wool, white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet under burnished brass, like as had been refined in a furnace. And his voice as many waters. And he had at his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth proceeded a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun's shyness and his strength. And then John said, when he saw him, I fell at verse 17. I fell down at his feet as, his feet as one dead. But then here we go. The difference between the fear of God and being afraid of God. He laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So in order for us to be able to behold God, you know, let God reveal himself, we must have this reverent awe of who he is. Not be afraid of him, but rather be afraid to be away from him and let him reveal himself as he really is. He's he's not just your homeboy. Um, Deborah, do you have anything to say about that? Well, I think that the scripture that you just read, I was going to um, touch on that as well. Um, because uh, I was going to talk about how, um, you know, there was a, 
Yeah, I was going to touch on that, but I'll I'll come back to that because I was actually at a different part in my notes, so I can always come back to that. But I do want to give um, the phone number. We've got about 36 minutes, so uh, the area code is 646-668-2093. That is 646-668-2093. We've got about like 36 minutes. So one of the, uh, since actually you brought the the revelation up, I'm just going to go ahead and go to a different part of my notes here, if you can bear with me. Um, You know, basically, basically, you know, God made man for fellowship and to have an intimate relationship with him. That's what he, that's what he made man for. Mm Mm-hmm is to have a relationship and fellowship with them. And, um, you know, man is the only creature made in the image of God. He could have make his, made us look like any other creature, but he decided to make us in his own image. And that means that we're privileged and honored there because it's not like you don't see a cow or a cat or whatever in the image of God. I mean, they may have ears and nose and mouth, but they're not in the image of God. And he made us in the image of God. So, and as uh, Brother Frank touched on earlier, that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, and, uh, but that was before they sinned. And so, um, but, you know, it says uh, in Genesis 3, 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And uh, basically, you know, God, when he was walking in the cool of the day, he was looking for Adam and Eve because he, he it, it was normal for them. It was like an, an every everyday occurrence or all time, you know, for them to be hanging out together for walking in the cool of the day. And, uh, you know, but but they were hiding basically. So, um, in, in, uh, in that with them, you know, and basically on a, on a, just to, to let you know here, I understand that in, in Genesis, people may say, well, uh, I, 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 I don't read anywhere where a marriage ceremony was performed for Adam and Eve, but, in the book of Genesis or anywhere, but it says here, it says, and, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And this is the new King James version. Well, basically before all of that was, was um, instituted, God made uh, man and woman. And when they, when they were intimate physically, and they consummated the marriage. That's when they were man. They were husband and wife. They didn't go through all the ceremony because God didn't. God God made them for you know for that basically to go procreate. And this was all before the fall fall of man. So that's what that means in the New King James Version. Adam and his wife. In case you're curious there. And then basically what you had read about, um, you know how he made us. He made us in his image. And so, and then basically, I think you just pretty much read uh, the characteristics of of man 
that, uh, like, for example. Well, you, you, when I touched on just who Jesus is, that's an important point to bring up. You, you were going to say you were going to actually go to there. And I want, go ahead and go. We can go if you want. Go back to Revelation chapter one, if you can. And just so, just point out again the characteristics of Jesus that show that we're made in his image. Well, in Revelation uh, chapter one, verses 12 through 17, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with golden band, with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And basically in here, I mean, it says, then I turned to see the voice. That's the voice we speak. Having turned, I saw like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the feet. So, you know, the feet, the chest, the head, the hair, and the eyes like flames of fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> flames of fire. Feet again. And so in his voice, when he speaks, the sound of many waters. So all of that is just showing the characteristics that we have of God. And yes, other creatures may have, you know, they may meow or bark or whatever, and they may have these things, but they're, they're not made in the image of God. Some things you just have to take by faith. So, um, and, uh, I was thinking about how in, so that was basically what I was thinking about with that. And then it talks about, um, you know, you had mentioned Abraham also was a friend of God because uh, in Genesis fifteen six it reads, and he believed in the Lord and he, account- he accounted it to him for righteousness. And in James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And as Brother Frank and you have touched on, you know, David had a heart after God, and he loved him so much, And but he was also quick to repent. And as as is evident in the book of Psalms, he spent all day practically worshiping him, making new songs and things like that while he was tending out in the field, tending the sheep. So because it says, you know, it talks about that in Acts 13, 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So basically, um, you know, that was kind of what I was thinking about. And then when you had talked about the fear of God as well, and also it's um interesting to note that in in getting in getting uh well in the psalm in like 
in Psalm 103.7, it speaks about, because, you know, the Israelites knew the ways of God, but Moses, he actually knew his ways. And in Psalm 103.7, it says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. So basically, the acts, the only the acts of, of God, the things of God were made known to the Israelites, but not his ways, because they didn't, they didn't have a relationship with them, with him, and uh, they were they were afraid of him as well. And so, with 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 all of that, I think also the Israelites, you know, being being afraid. And then, like it says here, the reason. Um, let's see. So in Deuteronomy five twenty three through. 27, the people were actually afraid of God's presence. In uh, verse 23, it says, So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of fire as we have and live? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. You know, a lot of that is is a lot of them, they were, of course, afraid of the presence of God. They were, they were scared because they didn't have an intimate relationship. But not only that, if you think about it a lot, Sometimes a lot of people want want their pastor or their priest or somebody like that to go and hear what God may say and tell them all that the Lord their God says, um, but they don't, and then they'll listen to it, but they don't want, want to make that extra effort or they're afraid because maybe it's the way they've been raised or things like that. Because right here it says, uh, you go near, and in verse 27 it says, you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say, and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear and do it. So basically, they didn't want to go near the mountain because they were afraid. And whether it was sin, whatever it was, they were just afraid. Even though they saw that Moses didn't die after he heard heard his voice. So in in all of that, um we need to we need to seek all yes it's it's fine to hear from from you know mighty men and, and women of God that are righteous and that we know hear from God or if it's a prophet or something like that. But it's like Brother Frank said he said, not that he's, um, he talked about that one man, that story that he gave about that one man that heard a prophecy saying that he should go live on a certain island and that the man got sick pretty quick after that and died not soon after that because he didn't find, he didn't seek counsel about it and he didn't look in the word of God. So 
so um you know he didn't he didn't find out for himself if that was indeed what the lord wanted if that was confirmation or just somebody i mean the gentleman he could have been having an off day it does happen and so you know we've got to just make sure that we're seeking the lord for ourselves and that that uh that's what it is because you know in the in Job 42:5 it says I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eye sees you my eye sees you so um so basically Job you know heard I mean he 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 had heard of him yeah, because it says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. So, you know, he may have heard scriptures, written, you know, read to him or, you know, scrolls like that. Or he just heard uh, stories or testimonies. He had heard the things of God. But then his eyes actually saw him. And he actually had a revelation of who he was in all of that. So, um, Amen. You know, and so that was really huge to Job. You know, Job's like... Once he had an encounter with God, he was realizing, you know, basically he's just saying, look, I, I heard of you, but now I've experienced you realize uh, basically I didn't know anything I was talking about, you know, and that's really what happens that when we just have head knowledge, but we don't know him, we really don't know what we're talking about. And that's why we have to humble ourselves on the side of the Lord and, and let go of our knowledge and say, God, I, I know a lot of things about you, but I realize I don't know you like I need to and begin to draw near and seek his face. You know, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, if you seek me, you'll find me. When you search me with our heart, so it's not a casual seeking; it's a diligent, desperate, do anything to do it kind of kind of seeking after the Lord. And uh, in regarding the uh, Deuteronomy uh, scripture, um, you know, in actually actually in verse 29, this is what's crazy about that scripture is we're talking about the fear of the Lord. Is God actually explains why they can't why they can't come in because see Moses feared God, so therefore he could draw near. But now this, let's look at Israel. And God, because Moses basically, you know, he, Moses goes up on the mountain and this is what God says. He says, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and their children forever. And then he tells, and then he tells them, go return to your tents. Israel's like, they don't fear God. They want to hide their sin in their heart. They say, Moses, you go talk for us. And God actually agrees with them. God says, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments. Then it might be well with them and their children forever. Basically, God's saying, you know, essentially, they're right. They can't draw near because they don't fear me. And then he says, go and return to your tents. Notice God doesn't actually plead them. No, please come near. No, because God, no, because they, they didn't have a heart. He already knew that they didn't have a heart. They wanted to be close to him. So how tragic that God actually delivered them out of, delivered them out of Egypt to bring them to himself. They, they ha- and they meet, their, they meet the one who is their destiny, only to have to be cold, told, okay, well, go return to your tents. And at this point, God creates this system has to go to God for man called the Levitical priesthood, and there's a whole thing that, that comes out of that. But I don't really think that was ever God's real intention. It was his intention for him to have a relationship with them to get from the get-go. But because they never really got Egypt out of them, because they, they, they loved their sin, and, they, and they, weren't, they didn't fear God, but were instead afraid of God because they didn't want the idols in their hearts to be revealed, they couldn't actually draw near. It's a frightening, that's a frightening place to be. So the good news is, as I was saying earlier, but if you want God to reveal things and you want God to help you deal with things, then as I was saying before, we don't have a high priest that's not sympathetic with your weaknesses. If you come humbly and honestly, then he'll come and he will, he will deal and he'll deal with you. 
you know, and we're talking about uh, right now being a friend of God, you know, as we touched on, you know, it's amazing that the word of God has so many different aspects. I touched, I touched on Revelations chapter one regarding the glory of God, but it also shows the fact that we're made in his image as Deborah was referring to, to God having hands and having a head and having feet and things of that nature. So it's awesome that we're able to uh, cover both aspects there. And, uh, you know, but regarding being a friend of God, um, I want to touch on what that even means because, you know, like I said, the scriptures that, you know, the teachers, we say that, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. So what does that mean to be a friend of God? Well, let's talk about Abraham, who was a friend of God. You know, the Bible is very clear in the book of James, if you read it, that it was actually Abraham's obedience that worked with his belief that proved that he really had faith. And uh, that and he became the father of faith as a result. So it was his obedience to the word of God. That that, caught, that made him the father of faith, uh, and this is what the in Genesis uh, 22. I'm going to go into the story of Abraham, and it says that it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. God will test us. Oh, absolutely, God will test us. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Here, behold, here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the man, land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. What does Abraham do? He rose up early the next morning. He saddled his ass, a donkey, that's what that actually means. You don't think I'm cussing on the air. And took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave to the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. I can't even imagine. You're, you have to travel for three days knowing that, you know, thinking in your mind that you actually have to go kill your only son that you waited for years for. But the good, but here's the, the thing about God is he never tells us to do anything he doesn't do himself. Because we're going to read it wasn't ever really God's intention for him to kill his son. However, God did send his son to die for us. Amazing. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife and went and went both of them together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering, which is a prophetic statement of Jesus becoming the lamb of God for our sin. Amen. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place which God told them of. And I'm just going to skip down. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of the, he out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. For now, hear this, now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So notice it wasn't until Abraham was willing to sacrifice the most precious thing to him just because God said so. The, the, the Lord tells them, now I know that you fear me. So it's, it's, when we, it's when we revere God's word above all else, that we tremble at his word. You know, um, notice Abraham got up the very next morning to go to, go to the mountain. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever said this. I know I have. You know, well, you know, the Lord has been dealing with me about this for a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever. Complete lack of the reverence and the fear of the Lord. Because if, when you really fear the Lord, when God speaks, you're, you're instant about it. You're not like you don't. You know, pray and wonder if you're going to obey God and think about it, and God has to keep dealing with you and dealing with you. No, when you really fear the Lord, you obe you, your obedience is instant, 
Amen. And so we, we now the good news is we grow in that. If you're realizing, man, I'm not there. Well, the good news is that the, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible is very clear that if you lack wisdom, you can ask without doubting. So the good news, if you're realizing, man, I lack the fear of God, um, you can ask God for it and receive it by faith and begin to grow in it. Amen. Um, you know, and another, some more scriptures on the fear of the Lord, and we're going to go into the New Testament because you might be thinking to yourself, well, Adam, you know, that's, that's Old Testament. Well, um, for, the, for just for those that want to say those kind of things, I'm going to go, get, go ahead and go to the New Testament. This is um, John 15, 14. Jesus says, uh, you are my friends if you do the things I command you now. Now, Deborah, you had a couple scriptures before that. It was like uh, you had John fifteen thirteen. If you have that handy, can you read that? Can you repeat what you just said? Okay. Um, I've got it in front of me. If you can just John, tell me what you were John, talking about. I was talking I'm about being a friend of God. It's John fifteen thirteen. Oh, yes. I, ha- I have it. If you can bear with me, I will read it. It's John 15, 1 through 8. No, just John fifteen thirteen. Okay. I'll just look it up here because I had I had a bunch of stuff written here. Oh, that one. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Deborah was uh, focused on the studio and doing other things, and I think I kind of yeah, he kind of threw me off guard. I've got like eight to ten things. I've, I'm not complaining. I've got like eight to ten things. I've actually got. Sorry about that. <laughs> I've got like eight to ten things I've got to do. I've got like uh, Facebook, the studio, and all kinds of stuff. But I'm not complaining. I like it. But then mm-hmm. you threw me off because yeah, I was at I, a different I, spot. Yeah, I apologize, everybody. That's my that's a host error. Okay, so that was John fifteen thirteen through fifteen. Greater love hath no man than this, that than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I, ha- I heard from my father I have made known to you. And this is, this is somebody that is, is uh, this is coming from somebody that loves you and loves me and is, is calling, you know, no greater love has, no one than this that than to lay down one's life for his friends, and that's somebody who already loves you and me intimately, in spite of all our character flaws, and wants an intimate relationship with us. So, um, with with that one, and I was thinking about how how in. Uh, in Enoch, you know, Enoch, it says in, uh, I know that Brother Frank touched on that as well quite a bit. But I was thinking about Enoch when he walked with God and he was not for God took him. And I mean, that there's a, there's a, their relationship was so close uh, and that they were so intimate and had such a friendship that God took him because he... He didn't. He he wanted to be with him all the time without without any hindrances or anything you know any anything like that. And I mean, can you imagine having how close that was? I mean, actually, uh, to actually have God want to just take you home because He can't live without you um, and without you know with with nothing that is gonna gonna hinder you. So. Um, 
those were the ones that you were referring to. I had in my notes, I thought you were referring to a different part of John that I had written down, Adam. Okay. Well, like I said, so uh, again, apologize for host errors there. Uh, <laughs> I got to be more aware of uh, when Deborah's caught up in doing uh, other things in the studio. Um, but so apologize to everybody. But but you're getting the point that um, God's desire is for us to have uh, intimate friendship. And uh, but in order to do that, we do. He's not just this. He's not this guy that we can come to flippantly. We do have to walk in this divine, you know, reverence and awe and fear you know, uh, of him, you know, because he's the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, you know, it's like, not like, it's not like after Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that God just became this old softy and now we can kind of do whatever we want. And that seems to be what's preached, but yet that's not the truth. Um, I want to point in John chapter 15, the verse that she read, the last verse that she read, she says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant knows not what, it, what his Lord does. I've called you friends for all things I've heard from my father. I have made known to you. So, um, so basically, you know, it, you ever read the scripture earlier about that, you know, that Israel knew God by his acts, but Moses knew God's ways. Why? Because Moses feared God. So Israel, God could still do miraculous things for Israel. And I want to emphasize that just because God does things for you doesn't mean you know him. It means that he's a loving God and he sends the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But that's not how we know whether or not we know God. The Bible's clear that we know God by whether or not we obey his commandments. And that, and that that proof that's the proof that we love him. Notice it's not prove you love. Now I want to emphasize this: it's not go out and prove that you love Jesus by obeying his commandments. It's rather fall in love with Jesus, and you'll be able to obey his commandments. That's relationship, not law. So we want to make, make emphasize that point. I'm I'm encouraging people to come to God with all your sins, with all your issues, all your faults, with all your failures. And if you'll come to God with an honest and open heart and say, God, I don't have any capacity to change, but I want to change, and I'll do what you tell me to do, and I'll say what you want me to say. But if, you, and if you'll come near with a heart like that, then God will help you change and, and help you fall in love with him and, and, and rekindle that flame of your first love that you might obey him and walk with him and love him. Amen? Um, you know, and so he says, no longer do I call you servants. Because he knows not what his master is. We, we've sung songs about it. We've made a doctrine out of this. This says, you know, you know, in the Old Testament, they were servants. But in the New Testament, when you're born again, you're a friend of God. And that's just not true. Notice it doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. But friendships are developed. It's not like, you know, you know think about with a parent with their child. You know, when a parent has a child... A good parent, their first priority is not to be a friend to their child. Their first parent, when the child is young and immature, is to just be their parent. And it's important for that kid's development that he learn to revere and respect his parents and their authority. We have uh, nine minutes left. And, um, and as he's irreverent, and now at once the kid is firmly established in the authority of his parent, and that when the parent tells him what to do, that he does it, then then there's more of a friendship that can be developed. But that friendship cannot be in place between the child and the parent if the reverence and obedience to the parent is not there. You know, Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You know, um, you know either one of us is going to have to change for us either for us to walk with Jesus, either him or us. And let's face it, it's not him. So that means we're gonna have, if we're going to walk with Jesus, then we can't walk in our hidden sin, our disobedience, we have to come to we have to we have to reverently fear him and be willing to obey whatever he commands. You know, the Bible says lean not to your understanding. Whether we understand it or not, we have to, you know, be willing to obey him in order to in order to be his close, intimate friend. The good news is we grow in that and uh you might be you may not be where you want to be, but if you'll keep pressing in, God's gonna help you grow. But the good news is everybody can be a friend of God. It is his desire, but it only comes if we reverently fear fear him and love his word above all else.
Also, you know, you think about it. He has he has a very hair, hairs of our head numbered, or the lack thereof. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know and um, and Matt. And Matthew uh, 10 and verse 3 uh, through 31, it speaks of, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So this is somebody that that loves us so much that he has, I mean, he knows us intimately, whether we know him uh, intimately or not. He still knows us intimately, and um, thinking about about that, and just a heads up, we've got about seven minutes and forty five seconds. But to let you know, also in in this was I was looking at earlier in my research and things like that that I was looking up scriptures and what I felt like the Lord had laid on my heart, and in Isaiah. Um, Actually, let me go back on. Now I'm going to do Isaiah 62, 5, for lack of time. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. And in Zephaniah 3, 17... It reads, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, that's the God of the whole entire universe that's rejoicing over you and me. And, I mean, with singing, and he's just rejoicing so much and and that is to me is is totally totally awesome because i wanted to also read you and i wanted to also read you psalm 139:17 as well as soon as i get there 119:17 so because i wanted to um i wanted to I wanted to read some of these because it kind of gets Psalm 139.17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. And with with that, you know, a while back, I, I felt like the Lord had asked me to go online and Google, to Google how many, how many grains of sand there are in the world. And and so I did, and I was pretty pretty uh, boggled and blown blown away by it. It says that if you if you assume a grain of sand has an average size, and you calculate how many grains are in a teaspoon, and then multiply by all the beaches and deserts in the world, and this is not including erosion that takes place. Um, the earth has roughly, and we're speaking very roughly here, 7.5 times 1,018 grains of sand or 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion grains. So basically, 
you're always on God's mind. He thinks of you at least seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion times a day minimum because they can only estimate how many grains of sand there are. So how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They, are, they cannot be numbered. I, cannot, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. So basically in all of that, what I'm trying to say is that he loves us so much and so much with that and that he thinks of us at least seven quintillion five hundred quadrillion times times a day. In all of that, I'm basically saying that he wants to be our friend. He wants to have an intimate relationship. We're always on his mind. If he looks in a crowd, he only sees us. Because we're we're the apple of his eye. You're the apple of his eye. He wants that intimate relationship. He wants to be our friend. So in seeking him and just giving, let you know we've got about three and a half minutes left. And we wanted to play a quick commercial for Washington, D.C. There's an event going on in Washington, D.C. that our church is putting on. And um, let me go ahead and play that for you really quickly. My name is Rodney Hill Brown, and I'm inviting you to come to celebrate America held at the daughters of the American Revolution Constitution Hall for the first three weeks in July. Celebrate America is going to be a spiritual invasion of the Jesus kind. Your nation is counting on you. The only hope for America is another great spiritual awakening. Celebrate America is July the 1st through the 19th, nightly meeting at 7 p.m., and then mass evangelism in the mornings on the streets. Enlist today for free at CelebrateAmericaDC.com. CelebrateAmericaDC.com. Also, to let you know that they're having River Bible Institute, River School of Worship, and River School of Government um, starting in August. River School of Worship and River uh, Bible Institute um, are eligible for scholarships. If you if you um, are eligible, they're giving out scholarships. And uh, if you need any, well, first let you know, God does have a wonderful plan for your life. If you were to die the second do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? The Holy Bible reads that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you want to make sure you're going to go to heaven and or if you're unsure you want to rededicate your life, just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And you can also pray that prayer. Um, all your sins are forgiven you. Always remember in to God, not from him, because he loves you so much, has a great plan for your life. And want to um, email us at firetalkradio, the number two, at, at yahoo.com. And also you can go to uh, a direct link to our show is, and all the archives is firetalk, the number two, dot T as in Tom, K as in King. So firetalkradio2, dot TK. And one eight six six eight five seven four eight three seven is a is a um, prayer line for our church. And Adam, we don't have much time. If you want to share yeah, something, we love you. I love you. If I don't get a chance to talk to you, um, here's Adam. I was going to read one last scripture that is a good one to end with. This is Behold, it's Revelations 3, 
Uh, as behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him and sup with him, and he, he and me. And that he that overcomes, I will give the right to sit on my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my with my father on his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we've talked all night long tonight about hearing the Lord. And the Jesus, and I just want to say to everyone, whether you're born again or you've just accepted Jesus or you're thinking about it, he stands at the door and knocks and wants you to open up to him. And he'll come and be your God. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Right. We may have to we may have to do another part on this, but at least we we you know, we love you and we'll see ya. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.